Welcome to Wisdom Talk Radio, a collaborative community of explorers in conscious living. I suspect that most of our listeners have an appreciation and respect for the power of intuition in the way that you make decisions and in how you live your life. Still, we know that this isn't something that is largely taught and certainly not in school. Yet more and more leaders are seeking out ways to hone their intuitive abilities, recognizing it as the missing link for greater success and for satisfaction in work and in daily life, everyday life. And my guest today has made it her mission to bridge intuition and logic for powerful results. I'm really excited to uh, excited that she's here today to have this kind of conversation. I'm Laurie Seymour, host of Wisdom Talk Radio and CEO and founder of the Baca Institute. What's your creative innovator style? Find out your creative inno- creative advantage by taking the creative innovator quiz. Open your creative flow and make everything you want to do in life easier. Learn to optimize your ability to create more and less time while enjoying every minute. Shoshana French's goal is to cultivate wildly successful leaders through the practical power of intuition. As the founder of Simple Spirit, a keynote speaker and coach to NFL leaders, Broadway and television stars, million and billion dollar business founders, CEOs and business professionals. Shoshana French generates unpredictable, I love that, and profound results for leaders who are looking to develop a deeper connection to their purpose. And I suspect that if you're here and you're listening today and you're part of Wisdom Talk Radio, that you're in a similar place. One way or another, you're in a similar place of wanting to connect more deeply with your purpose, with that feeling that impels you as you wake up in the morning to create, to do, to be more of who you are. So welcome Shoshana French. I am so delighted that we're gonna get to have this conversation. Me too, me too, me too. (laughs) (laughs) Just the conversation we had the very first time we met was so juicy. So I can only imagine uh, the conversation we're going to have today. So thank you for having me on your show. I really appreciate it. Oh, you are so welcome. And um, and we were just talking, and this is to to you, our listeners, just before we we turned on the recording for this, how neither of us know what it is that we're going to be speaking to today or where it's going to go and how wonderfully freeing that is. Because when you're in that space of of not knowing and allowing that not knowing to be okay, boy, magic really happens. I mean, we go into profound new spaces. So I'm so glad that you were um, of like heart, <laughs> Shoshana, and, and, and so able to do that. Yeah, there's, there's power in the liminal space. There's a lot of power in that unknown. And it's that 
it's that unknown space actually where um, when we let go of agenda and thoughts, like so many thoughts, I mean, I know this is familiar to you. You train people how to use meditation, right? For deeper connection to themselves and for stillness that when we're in that space, it is much easier for intuition to penetrate um, our already always things that we know from what we've learned and all that stuff. So that liminal space is powerful stuff. <laughs> it is, it is. And, and, you know, we, both of us work in those ways of opening people up to be able to not just spend more time there, but to actively be able to use what is received in that way. So, um, yep. so <sighs> You've talked, I know, in in the way in what you put out and in, um, and when we talked before about how there's so many different um, spiritual traditions and um, different kinds of teachings, different teachings around consciousness. OK, who do we trust and how do we trust? <laughs> it's like it's such a good question. And um for your listeners, I'll, I'll say that that is not, it's not like a, like a single target where you pull back the bow and hit its front and center. That's a moving, <laughs> it's a moving target. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, what I've experienced for my own self is in different times of life, I've required different kinds of support, whether it was more traditional kind of, um, you know, training with people who are well-versed in something versus self, uh, you know, self-learning, like reading a book or taking a class, uh, mm -hmm. for myself. Like at one point in time, you know, I did the artist way, the book, right. Mm -hmm. Julia Cameron, where you do for 12 weeks every day, an artist page. And that was really powerful practice for me. And then another time in life, um, I really needed someone, I needed some ones mm -hmm. and I took an 18 month, you know, priestess kind of deep shamanic training that was live mm -hmm. where I went once a week to be trained. And then there were all of these rituals to learn. So, um, uh, I say that for whoever's listening, your audience, because I think it's an important thing to remember that, um, if you follow your intuition to find a teacher, Mm -hmm. or a spiritual, a person of wisdom that, um, they may at some point cease to be a great teacher for you, not because they're not a good teacher, but because they're not a good teacher for you anymore because we change. Right. So I always like to say that because, um, it also helps for me is like, if clients move on, that's perfect. Because I really trust that there'll come a time when it's really time for them to move on and find someone who can support them in their journey next. Because yeah. I've done the same thing, you know, since I've been on my journey. Um, so who can you trust? Yourself. You can trust yourself. And uh, part of intuitive development uh, in both how I was trained 27 years ago, and then how I train clients now is your intuition is this inner knowing that you're born with, mm -hmm. and that through the process of life circumstances, we stop listening, and we begin to listen to other people we perceive as experts or authority. And whether that's 
in our education, our religion, or just life experience. And we stop trusting our own inner wisdom. And our inner wisdom guides us the right way every time, every time. So that's how I know who to trust is through having my inner guidance guide me towards. Um, and sometimes inner guidance looks like I read a book um, recently power versus force. And mm -hmm. I had never seen the book before, <laughs> but I had two clients and then a friend recommend it. And I was like, hmm, okay, that's interesting. <laughs> okay. All right. Let, well, let me go check it out. Right. Mm -hmm. So I went and checked it out and I was like, oh, that's okay. That's kind of interesting and fascinating. And I got the book and I read it and I was like, oh, okay. Perfect timing. Thank you. Universe, God, whatever source. So that, that can be a way that your intuition is guiding you as well, which is being in the perfect place at the perfect time in a conversation about something that you need support with and people, it comes right out of their mouth. So, yes. but always yes. trust yourself. So that's my, a lot of words for that simple answer. Which is, <laughs> trust you. Yeah. It's, it's not a simple answer though. I mean, it sounds like a simple answer. I was just talking with a client just in the, in the hour before this time that we're together. And, and she was, she's someone that is very good at listening to her own inner guidance system. And yet, you know, moving into, gosh, there's so much I need to do. And, you know, there's so many people that are relying on me and I'm needing to do this, that, and the other, that life has a way of taking over and so that we stop listening or we might have a sensing of something, but we don't always trust it. We don't always, we don't often trust it. I want to say, yeah. you know, that this is here for this reason. And now it's like, when I, when I think of someone, someone comes to mind, I, I start to ask the questions inside, you know, what is there something I'm needing to do? Am I needing to be in touch? Is there something I'm just, I'm needing to simply be aware of with this person? And so that I know how to move. I know, uh, I allow that, that what you're calling intuition or inner knowing to guide me. Mm -hmm. I would say for anyone listening to this, who has had that experience, which I know I have for sure. Mm -hmm. And you just talked about it, which is, um, your inner guidance has guided you on something and then, but it goes against what you think, mm -hmm. or it even goes against what your value is, right? So one of my values is kindness mm -hmm. and I would prefer not to hurt people intentionally. However, my intuition has guided me sometimes to walk away from people and leave them yes. very, very, very clear. Like they are not for you time to walk away. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and it has felt against what my values are, right. What my kind of innate sense of rightness is. Mm. Um, so it can be confusing, right? Like you said, it's, it's not a simple answer to say, trust yourself. Um, if I could get practical on this wisdom conversation, because practicality for me has such a deep place in intuition and such Absolutely. a deep place in spiritual practice. Yes. Uh, most people are not intuitive decision makers. They are data-driven decision makers mm -hmm. and there's nothing wrong with data-driven decision making because most people do it. And there are things that work out fine in data-driven decision making. Mm -hmm. How, however, if that is the only, like we're a one trick pony and that's the only way we make decisions, it means we have the habits, the practices, and the perspectives that lead towards data-driven decision-making. So 
data-driven decision-making is really focused on avoiding making mistakes and fixing something. I was just talking to a client this morning and her wife is uh, started a new business and is feeling really cramped in the small space that they've rented. And um, her wife knows to ask her, like, do you, like, how do you feel? What does it feel like intuitively? Should we get into a bigger space? Mm-hmm. And she was like, this is new for her to be an intuitive decision maker. And so she felt into it. And what she felt for her was yes. Mm -hmm. But then later, right. A few hours later, she was kind of thinking about it again, but she wasn't thinking about her wife. She was thinking about the business itself and asked the question again, like, is it right for, you know, for this business to get a larger space to be in? And she got a very clear no. Ah, And she was like, oh, crap. So she asked me today on our call. She goes, Uh okay, explain that to me. What's like, was my thing this morning not intuition and this was intuition or like, how was that? And so to me, it's when you start building the habit of becoming an intuitive decision maker and you move away from data driven, one of the biggest challenges is being able to recognize the difference between mind frick, Mm -hmm. (laughs) training, Mm -hmm. Right. And then true, like actual intuition. So what I told her is that they were both intuition. That first message she was asking about was related to her, her wife, Mm -hmm. like her wife wants to move to a bigger space. Does it work for her wife to move to a bigger space? Uh, Yeah, of course it does. Like her body was such a yes to that. But Mm -hmm. then when she checked in about the business, which is, it seems very subtle, but it's actually a different question. The question was, does it serve the business to move to a larger space now? Mm -hmm. And the answer was no. Right. So of course, right. Being who she is, she was like, well, I really had to run the numbers to see if this intuitive thing I was getting really matched up with what I knew, you know, logic wise. Mm -hmm. So she looked at the numbers and she goes, oh, okay, I get that. Like, it's actually an increase of expenses of $2,500 a month. And they're not in the place yet to add that expense. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And I said, does that validate? <laughs> does that add value? Does, does receiving that validation strengthen your trust in or does it... Uh, does it strengthen your trust in your intuitive decision-making or does it strengthen your trust in data-driven decision? Great question. And she said, oh, well, I suppose that it feels good to have data to validate my intuitive decision-making. She said, but if I had run the numbers, I would have arrived at the same decision. And I said, yeah, that's the challenge of becoming an intuitive decision maker, because sometimes there is there is no evidence. That's, I think, one of the challenges of it is, you know, you can think of really big examples like Walt Disney and you know, Steve Jobs is people who people mention that guy all the time because he had this crazy idea for these, like, not just what, you know, having a home computer in every home, but having a handheld computer in every hand globally. That was his vision. And people are like, you're crazy. People just need a phone. They need to call people when they're in an emergency. They don't want a thing in their hand that's a computer. Well, his vision was accurate, right? Even though there were huge naysayers. And so that's, I think that's the hardest part about exactly what you spoke to. It's the hardest part about trusting your inner knowing. It's hard. I won't won't lie. Yeah. And and, many years. 
I talk about that uh, in terms of discernment. So one of the things that I teach is, is discernment. How do you, how do you have discernment? How do you use your own feeling body to know when something is on or not? So it's not only a matter of data-driven or intuition-driven. It's also hmm, personality or hmm, universal field, you know, the creative intelligence. And, 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 and so one is, oh, my, my personality is excited by this. So yes, it's a great, you know, yes, it's I'm gung ho and yeah, I got yes. And, but when you go into it and you, you're there in a, in a balanced way, in a, um, in a relaxed body way, and then you can have the chance to see, well, what is true and what is true by true. I mean, you know, from that higher perspective from that bigger picture viewpoint what is it and and no and there's a very different feeling in the body with those two places yeah well and one of the things that I have learned because I've taught thousands and thousands of people Mm -hmm. about intuition is that some some people's uh connection to their intuition is not in the body Mm -hmm. it's not actually a feeling it's a something else so for, for me and training people, it's like, how do, how do you, right? How do you sense, perceive, understand that communication intuitively? Are you a feeler? Like my husband's a feeler. Mm -hmm. You ask him a question, he can tap in. It's very much a body thing for him. Mm -hmm. I'm not a body intuitive. So it's not a sense of feeling for me. Mm -hmm. I hear stuff. So it's a very clear yes and no for me. Mm -hmm. Like I literally hear it. And um, practicing with that over time has helped me become an intuitive decision maker. Yes. Because like any other, I mean, without getting too scientific about it, (laughs) habits, habits require practice. You do practice enough, you form the habit, but how our brains work until you've practiced enough, there's no, there's no dopamine. There's no adrenaline. There's no serotonin. There's no oxytocin that gets released until the habits formed. So Mm -hmm. then when you go to make a decision, like, like you, you know, whatever way that is, some people make intuitive decisions with a really like a really clear tool, like a pendulum or Mm -hmm. tarot cards. Mm -hmm. And then some people like the big business people I work with, they use a piece of paper and ask a question Mm because that works better for them. Mm -hmm. But in whatever the tool is, they've now built this habit where it feels good. So they get like a little jolt of Mm -hmm. reward from the brain body before they've even done the thing. So now they want to, but that whole process that's no joke. No, I mean, I it takes re- time. I keep reading science about it. It takes something, it right? Takes the habit something. of meditations, it is hard to sit still mm-hmm. and to quiet the mind. I just met this woman this past weekend, Lori Handler. She is a global sexpert and she brought something called, I'm going to call it the wrong thing, uh, Tikhan to the U.S. So uh-huh. yes, Tikhan. So what they say is that Westerners, unlike Easterners, Easterners can sit still and have a much easier time of it because of the culture. Sitting still is really easier for them. Mm-hmm. Not saying that people can't do that because, of course, Westerners have learned to meditate sitting still. But he suggested, and I can't remember the guy's name, but he suggested a different 
uh, movement into meditation, mm-hmm. which is through like physically moving the body. Mm-hmm. And so she walked us through Tikhan, which is this, you close your eyes and you move around for seven minutes to music. And then you sit completely still and you make these ridiculous noises. I mean, really, it's like ridiculous, like not real words, like, and then, and then you're totally silent for like two minutes. And we did that practice. And I was like, huh? Yeah, I could see that. I could see how, if you have a racing mind doing, mm, yep. Doing that, that definitely got things quiet. That's kind of cool. Yeah, exactly. It's just a good reminder that there are lots of different ways. There's lots of different ways. That's why for me, I don't, I don't, I mean, I loosely work with meditation for all of that, but really at the deeper level, it's about how can we connect with that other, with those other dimensions, with that yes. other aspect of ourselves. And, to, and and it starts with recognizing that there is another dimension. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. that there that there's more than just simply that data-driven linear brain, the way that we have been trained in our school systems. And there's right. so much more. Yeah. And that's what quantum physics has shown us to be true. You know, that there is so much <laughs> yeah. more. And how do we connect in with that? And, and, and for everybody, it's a little bit different, certainly. But you said about the body, that the body does start to have a response. You start to be able to identify, oh, that's what this feels like. So I don't mean necessarily you're going to get the intuition from your body, but or that inner knowing, but you do get that, that feedback. So when you when you have that feeling, and, and I'm curious about this, Shoshana, when you have that, when you ask a question and you get a clear yes or a clear no, or just let's say a yes or a no, is there is there a feeling in your body that goes along with that? Mm-mm. Not usually. Uh-huh. Um, there are times when I there are times when I sense something in the in the body before mm-hmm. when I haven't asked a question at all, like consciously asked a mm-hmm. question mm-hmm. and I sense something in the body. But um, how my and it for me, discernment and intuition are one and the same. I like the definition <laughs> of this guy who wrote this book, The Intuitive Compass. He said that intuition is where instincts and intellect meet. Yes. And so to me, it includes personality and it includes instincts and instincts for me are the the parts of the body that scan the environment for threat, mm-hmm. which is obviously a huge part of our personality and ego. Yep. So for me, that intuition includes a lot of other things mm-hmm. It um, that I it, it is a way in which I'm just now really grappling with intuition versus spiritual gifts, because mm. to me, I've always kept them pretty separate because uh, in my world, intuition is really practical. Yeah. And then there's spiritual gifts, which is something a little bit different. But who knows, right? Okay. Like, I, I'd love to read a speech yeah. to that. Yeah, I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm really playing with and wondering what the difference is. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I've had experiences in 2012 when the Mayan calendar ended, right? Mm-hmm. When they said it completed. I was I was at a, like a, a friend of mine, uh, Tikum, she is she had like a, she's a, a Mayan shaman. She had a big gathering in, tw- in December of 2012 to mm-hmm. usher in the new, I don't even know what you want to call it. Like the new era is what mm-hmm. she called it in, in English to usher in a n- the new era. And the whole thing about the Mayan calendar ending was that we could access all the dimensions of 
of expression because mm-hmm. the Mayans believe that each one of these animals was access into this other dimension. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. we did this huge, like amazing meditation for like, it was crazy for like three hours. Uh-huh. And we didn't, we didn't use any medicines. I didn't use any medicines. I imagine there probably were people that did, <laughs> but I don't, I see crazy stuff without doing any yeah. medicine. Mm-hmm. So got in this meditation and started to see stuff. And to me, gosh, that was almost nine years ago, which is crazy to think about, but the, in that experience, I saw what I would express as other dimensions. Mm-hmm. It was very, very clear to me. Mm-hmm. And, um, and in those other dimensions were, it started to get my brain going about, you know, the multiverse and, you know, um, parts of ourselves existing in other places. Like I went, as my friend likes to say, you went like nuclear woo. I went nuclear <laughs> woo. Like I went all the way down the rabbit hole and drank mm-hmm. all the Kool-Aid. But the thing that um, the thing that struck me is just this like true knowing that really we love knowing and understanding things, but things are there are things that are so beyond our conceptualization because we are embodied in this life. Mm-hmm. So there's mm-hmm. like our ability to conceive of things that exist outside of embodiment, like is a little bit harder, and which is absolutely. why people. Yeah, it's why people use medicine, but I definitely experienced connection to other dimensions. Mm-hmm. And so when I I play guitar and sing, I've been doing that my entire life. And mm-hmm. when I sing, for sure, there is an experience of like that is a spiritual gift because I've I could sing as a child. I've had a little bit of training, but when I sing, the vibration of it shifts people. And I've never mm-hmm. added it to my work because it is something that is very personal and I'm not really interested in selling it. Does that make yeah, sense? Sure, it does. Um, and, but it's a really powerful uh, tool of healing that I've used multiple times for people. I, you know, I've sung for people in, you know, in hospice as they were, you know, like to let go of their body and to free mm-hmm. themselves. I've sang at blessing ways uh, where people are coming in, babies are being born mm-hmm. um, at weddings. I've done a lot of different things at big transitions, but that's a spiritual gift in which I can connect to something. And it doesn't really it doesn't really connect to my understanding of intuition. It's like something Uh, distinct. So when you talk about connection to other dimensions and Uh using discernment for that, I'm like, Hmm, that's like the realm of spiritual gifts for me because it is actually something slightly different than what I do. I don't really talk with people about spiritual gifts because that's not actually my work. My work is, connecting people to intuition so they can be restored to trusting themselves because we're born trusting ourselves, whatever you believe. If you believe we chose this life before we got here and you're fully clear about it. And then you're in, then you like, you know, embody. And then you're like, wait, was I supposed to be in this family? Are these parents (laughs) like, is this the right gender? Like what happened? I don't know what's Mm -hmm. going on, but like that moment of full trust where you are connected to all that was, is, and shall be mm-hmm. like, I think we can be restored to that. Now that to me is a product of intuition because it restores trust, but then there's the next step beyond that. Right. Which is then there's like spiritual path and spiritual awakening. And I feel like, I think mm-hmm. people connect intuition and spiritual awakening together, but I don't know necessarily if they need to be doing that because it feels interesting for me. Okay. I, I, I don't know that I have, mm, I have not made that same distinction. Although 
I, I mean, when you speak about it, it, it makes very clear sense to me. I understand it. Um, and what I've seen in, in the years that I have been doing this is that people, whether or not they make that distinction or I make that distinction, that they seem to naturally move into a greater awareness of, oh, wait a minute, I am connected beyond this physical body and mm -hmm. I can bring in direction from more than simply my intuition. Um, and so, so there's a, it feels very fluid to me, um, you know, and I've been trying to, I've been, as I've been listening to you, it's like, okay, well, you know, what is that? And how does that all, what is the bridge, you know, between those? Yeah, I think the bridge is trust. And when I say trust, I was just talking to this woman, Lori Handler, and we had a very long conversation because we have a transformational education background that's shared. We both did landmark. She led programs. I led programs. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of had that thing in common. Mm -hmm. And we were talking a bit about um, how doing that work uh, created deeper deepening of trust in ourselves. And, and by and large, it then created a deeper sense of trust in others. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and like uh, the ability from, for both of us, the ability to discern whether someone could be trusted or whether they, they shouldn't be trusted. Right. 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 Like that's that's really important. And then, Just yeah. Yes. Oh, really yeah. important. Yeah. 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 What's so truth? Then, What's truth? You know, when we're yeah. sitting and listening to someone. What, well, and there's truth and then there's truth. Yeah, no, right. So we that, talked, right. Mm -hmm. And there's both. And so we talked a bit about both, but it, for me, trust is all the things that are in the way of being able to go within, whether it's from the body, mm -hmm. right? On a body level, mm -hmm. like this is for me, this is not for me via food, via supplements, or mm -hmm. this activity is for me, is not for me, right? And then there's, who are my guides around me? Mm. And like, I worked with a client once who kept telling me about these guides that she had. And I was like, wait, wait, they belittle you. Those aren't guides. <laughs> guides don't belittle you. Right. I don't know who's around you, yeah. but those aren't guides. Mm -hmm. Like spirit guides will empower you, will help you connect on a deeper level. Yeah. They're here to train you or teach you or coach you in something. Literally they're here in service of you. And if they're making you feel bad about yourself, those are not guides. That's a great so discernment. We were, I, yeah, right. Discernment. And so yeah. to me, that feels like the only reason I have that discernment is because I restored trust to myself. So to mm -hmm. me, trust is like mm -hmm. trauma work, right? Which I imagine that comes up in the work you do with people about dimensions and quantum physics. Trauma has to come up. Our unresolved trauma from childhood, right? Our unresolved ways that we relate to ourselves that that are caca <laughs> like old how we patterns. have negative mm. yeah i just think of it as old patterns you know oh old gosh, patterns totally. that that are not yep. at all productive and those old patterns might show up in those um those ways we think or yep. that we that we attribute then to to guides or something external even right. you know non-embodied external and yet that are that are an expression of that um that lack of creative love. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm saying self-trust, but if mm -hmm. we swap words out energetically, you would probably say love, right? Like the restoration of love, love mm -hmm. of ourselves. Of self-love. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah. Yeah. Self-love to me, mm-hmm. trust of self, love of self, same, same thing. I, right. I'm interchanging those yep. words, yep. but I would say when I learned to love myself, mm-hmm. then I stopped being in a concern for being taken advantage of. I stopped being concerned for that. I was going to make wrong choices if I did what felt right or felt like fun or seemed like it would be or felt like it was in alignment versus what I should be doing or what other people thought I should be doing. Mm-hmm. So, um, and to me, the, like what I call the five keys to living intuitively are ground. So like, you got to get mm-hmm. in your body, you got to be mm-hmm. in your body. If you're not in your body, it's really hard to hear discernment intuition. Otherwise, yeah. uh, clear, we're often operating from other people's energies. So what does that even mean in a non-woo mm-hmm. way? That means other people affect your mood. We are animals at our core and the mood of the pack affects the individuals in the pack. Mm-hmm. Um, connect, which is about connecting intentionally to your intuition versus intuition happening to you. How do you connect to it into intuition? Intentionally trust, which is what we're just talking about, which is mm-hmm. restoring yourself to uh, I saw this thing like, you know, who you were before you let BS dim your shine, right? Ooh. It's like, who were you before all those old patterns you're talking about before yeah. all those things that were terrible things that could have happened then became patterns that now reasserted themselves over and over again. Mm-hmm. So restoring trust. And then the last one is a line. And um, to me, that's when we start talking about now, why are you here? Like, what's the deeper meaning of your life or the deeper reason why you're here? And, you know, with a lot of my clients, we work through the first three in a really like um, concrete kind of way, because I have Mm -hmm. a way of doing that. But that fourth one, trust weaves through it. Mm -hmm. And sometimes it looks like, hey, we should pause our work and you should go work with a therapist because Mm -hmm. there's trauma coming up and you sound like you need some EMDR and you need to rewrite some brain patterns because you're dealing with, you know, a sexual assault that happened or, you know, uh, emotionally absent parent. And like, that's not the stuff that I do. Mm-hmm. It sounds like you could talk to like a behavioral scientist. We should go have you do that. Mm-hmm. And then eventually, and some people stay long enough that we get to that fifth part, which is where you are restored to trust in yourself. You are listening to your intuition. You're connected to your body. You are present. You're operating in a clear space. And now you're curious, well, if I am aligned, what would that look like? And then we get to talk about fun stuff like, you know, manifestation and quantum creation and healing yourself from the past forward, mm-hmm. which is, you know, Joe Dispenza and Bruce Lipton talk about that. What is the biology of belief? How do you break the habit of being yourself, right? Like how do you become supernatural? So that's the kind of stuff that I love doing with people, but it happens after there's a lot of groundwork to lay before I get to that stuff quite Mm -hmm. often. Mm -hmm. So to me, when you ask the question, what's the bridge, which is such a great question for me, it really is self-love self-trust because then you're willing to go outside of what you know, but that's just from my own personal experience, I would say. What do you so, think? What do you well, think? Well, because I had the experience, and this was back in 1987, and I had been a, th- a psychotherapist. I mean, that was my training, that was my work. And then I had the experience in a moment of connecting with that self love in, in a, such a profound way that I had never experienced. It was energetic, it was in my body, it was um, tangible. 
in a feeling way. And then it happened through really through a, an energetic experience with the teacher. And it wasn't love from her, although, you know, of course that was there, but it was, it was that uh, rewiring that happened in a moment. Mm-hmm. And so I could take that ever after I could take that as the what's true and what's not. If, mm-hmm. if it's not in alignment with that feeling that was there that I now could then count on as truth, then it, 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 it was like that employee that's undermining you in your own business that you need to get yeah. rid of. <clears throat> and it became a, a really a much easier process. And so it, it ultimately meant that I left being, being a therapist. I left the practice of psychotherapy. I left, I didn't call myself that. I saw my work very differently because it was working from that place of connecting, um, activating that, that, that knowing in such a deep way that as I could stay with that, those old patterns just started mostly of self-doubt just started disappearing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that completely for me jives with and reflects the um, prior to 18. I had a very black and white way of looking at the world. Mm. Um, I grew up pretty like, structured religiously, you know, kind of fundamental religiously. And when I, when something happened that caused me to question all of that, that black and white kind of like, this is true. And that's not true Mm -hmm. kind of went away. And like the rules and regulations that seemed like a really helpful thing, right? Those are my (laughs) guidelines for what was right and what was wrong. And then all of that crumbled and went away. It was like, oh no, now what's true? <laughs> yeah. Now, now what is factual? Now what is truth? And um, when I went into my very first group meditation, uh, when I was like 18, and I was with all these people that were much older than I was, mm-hmm. um, like 40s, 50s, 60s, yeah. and I was you know, the youngest person in the room. Uh-huh. And we went into this group meditation, and I saw like, as clear as clear as you in front of me, this whole like truth about like why I was here and I was restored to that sense of trust in myself. Mm-hmm. I mean, it took some time to like work on those patterns sure. because I, because I didn't have somebody that I was working with. Right. I was doing mm-hmm. kind of on my own, but, mm-hmm. um, that moment of restoration of trust, I was like, Oh, got it. Like, this is the good and the bad news about me. Like mm-hmm. this is, these are the things that I love about me. And these are the things that drive me crazy about myself. And I'm either going to have a moment of growth about those things, or those are just the things about me that I get to just be with and stop making wrong. Mm-hmm. And they are just the, you know, my proneness to righteousness is just a part of who I am because yeah. I have a lot of warrior energy. And so <laughs> I've made a lot of peace with that since 18, but it took a while, right. To like, it's scary to want to knock heads together in one moment and then like, let's kumbaya on the next. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I can see that in you. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. That, you know, like, oh, let's make room for all of it. Oh no. Yeah. How do we make room for all of it? I, I love when you talk about that, um, like that moment, cause that was what it was. I mean, that's transformation occurs in a moment. So and then we have you know, to, like, to decode that, you know, in, into yes. our everyday life. Totally. I, I love so how you appreciate that. how totally. practical you are, you know, because 
I'm very practical. You know, I, I couldn't have been gone from being a psychotherapist to being a solutions engineer without having that practical side to myself. <laughs> right. Right. No kidding. Yeah. It wouldn't have, it would have been hard for you to bridge. Exactly. Uh, exactly. It makes me think of people you read about that become channelers of big energies like mm-hmm. uh, Lee Carroll who channeled Cryon and um, the Hickman, the Hick, the uh, um, uh, Jerry and Esther Hicks, Hicks. who yes. channel Abraham. Right. And then there's the work of Seth. So there's all these beings that got channeled and the people who are channeling them are crazy practical. Yeah. Like one was an engineer. One was a, you know, mm-hmm. like a, a lawyer, that kind of stuff. And it, it makes sense that, you know, there would be this really practical person mm-hmm. because they had to basically open themselves up and channel it. There was no decoding, right? They were just channeling. Right. But for people like us who are not channeling like that, we needed a lot of practicality because we had to decode it <laughs> yeah, to bring it they, into like everyday life. <laughs> exactly, exactly. And yeah. that's what I'm so excited about what you're doing is that you are, you're working with people, you're teaching people how to bring it into form. I mean, how to not just bring it into form, how to let it make a difference in what they do and in how they do it. You know, and that is, that's so meaningful to me. And I, you know, and I know we're kind of almost sort of running out of time, but I, I want to like talk a little bit more about that. Uh, I want you to talk a little bit more about that, about that level of practicality and, and, and what you see, the, 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 what you've seen from that, from Mm. your own focus on that. Yeah. Well, it, um, what, what I think about a little bit is someone like Brene Brown, right. And she made it, um, she normalized vulnerability and shame Mm -hmm. so that people could start talking about it. And while if you're looking to connect dots, you know, it's what one of my favorite quotes by Steve jobs is that it's much easier to connect dots looking back than it is looking forward. And so I don't know that you could say Brene Brown was singularly responsible for some of the, you know, conversations around shame that have occurred, things like Simone Biles and, you know, um, conversations around gender, like all of these conversations around gender, to me, all of that shame and vulnerability, like that normalization of that was required to have those conversations. So I don't know if you can say that she's singularly responsible for that, because I don't think you can connect dots like that. But Mm -hmm. um, she's now making it more normal to have conversations about that stuff. For me, practicality wise, people don't talk about intuition because it feels like there's a barrier to entrance, you know, to, to be invited into the conversation. You have to have a certain amount of woo woo sensibility in Mm -hmm. order to feel included or like that you could have the conversation. And, um, you know, I was trained by metaphysicians who, who were masters in their craft some one who was a master astrologist, one who was a master tarot reader of 25 years mm-hmm. and um, their conversations about intuition were not practical. They were very metaphysical. They mm-hmm. were very much about, you know, um, how we are channels and our bodies are the channels for spirit and how things move through us. And it, it's not like that's not, I'm not saying that that doesn't have truth or isn't true. Mm-hmm. What I'm saying is that you know, one of my clients, John, who's an engineer, like he can't enter in the conversation of intuition. If all of a sudden you start talking about 
Atlantis and <laughs> human evolution and the Lemurians, like it cuts him out from not yeah. being able to have the conversation. And so, so know, whatever I he's get- about and whatever he could bring through it with his intuition, suddenly it, the door is shut. Yeah. yeah. And so therefore he's nervous or uncomfortable with the thought of learning how to do that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like, and so really how it started for me was I ended up teaching a room of a client of mine asked me to come and teach at a business course called transcending business as usual. Mm. And she owns a big consulting firm. And in the room, she thought it was going to be more of a mixture, but really the majority of the people who showed up for this program were her department of defense guys. So it was a room of men, my father's age or a little bit younger, Mm -hmm. but somewhere in that 55 to 70 year old range Uh who who were extremely practical, really skeptical and hated any words that sounded like woo woo. Right. Yes. Yes. And so, um, they, they pressed me hard in a good way. Mm -hmm. It was in the moment it sucked. I won't lie. Yeah. But it took about a year for me to unravel all the things they were saying. But what I really got was it was kind of like you're, you're saying that what you do is inclusive, but your languaging is exclusive. Yes. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, how would you talk about it then? And one of the guys who was a former special ops in the Marines, he would send me like uh, emails every couple of weeks with articles about intuition, but, but from like Forbes, from Inc. Magazine. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And it was like, and I read those, I like, you know, poured over them. And I was like, well, what is the language that they're using? Mm -hmm. And I was like, all right, I can get that. (laughs) The thing he said to me, which I think will make you crack up is he said in Star Trek, Diana Troy, right? This is the Star Trek next generation. Uh They didn't call her psychic Troy, right? Oh my gosh. Sorry. There is literally, there is literally like, pouring rain in my window hold yeah, on here too here too oh okay close your window please yes it's been uh, i will fill in the, this gap in this moment because um i've been watching this storm come in and both shoshana and i are in uh colorado so yep it's raining here too <laughs> <laughs> i was like it's such a nice day i'm gonna leave the window open and uh, as we kept talking more and more it was like okay here's the Okay, my cat's like looking at the window. Anyway, sorry, sorry about that. Yeah, no, so, no. Uh, so what so the Diana guys said was, empath. Yeah, they, they said they never, you know, they talked about her being having an empath, meaning she could feel other people's feelings, mm-hmm. but they never called her psychic. No, because you can't sell psychic to the Federation of Planets. They said no more than we can sell psychic to our board of directors. Yes, mm. and I was like, huh, that's interesting. And it it started me on this journey in curiosity, which was, I'd already had this curiosity, but it came on louder, which is what's a way to train anyone, no matter who they are, Mm -hmm. what they do in life, what the religious beliefs are, right? Whether they're really uh, in a more kind of constructed religion or in a more free religion, whichever the case may be, whether it's, you know, they have a holy book or not, how can I train them how to trust their intuition? Mm -hmm. And it led me to find language to describe what what happens in the body mm-hmm. and then to understand the mechanics of what happens so it all happens in the body it all ha- is happening in the body because our body is the receptacle for right. intuitive information but right. how it comes across for each of us is different and yes. so i just got so curious about it and 
worked with, you know, at that time, hundreds and hundreds of people and would move them through exercises and saw what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that that's kind of what led me to this really practical side, besides the fact that I'm super practical. So when I was in college and these women were teaching me, I'd like go and do meditation with them. I'd read Tarot. I'd play with crystals. Mm -hmm. I would listen to, you know, electric harp music and like talk about, you know, our chakra balances. And then I would leave there and I would go into classes for sociology and critical thinking. Mm -hmm. And it was like, these two do not like, they're not lining up, but like real life includes both. So how do you include both? Like, how do I have, it was really the pathway of how do I accept and love all parts of myself and then have other people love and accept all parts of themselves. Mm -hmm. Intuition is a huge part of who we are. And when we stop trusting ourselves and we, and we put our, we put the onus on others to let us know what works versus being willing to say what works for us and trusting Mm -hmm. our kind of innate sense in our body, like you're talking about, or what comes across in our head or what we see in our mind or what we know, Mm -hmm. however that happens. Like when we don't trust that we find ourselves in situations where somebody else gets the say, but we don't. Yeah. That's beautifully, whether it's, you know, whether it's like dating, whether it's, I mean, all of us have bought a car before. And if you are going to buy a car and you don't, and you aren't really clear that you're going into kind of like a whole machinery Mm -hmm. that is all designed to have you buy the car they want you to buy versus the car that fits for you, Mm -hmm. you are not setting yourself up well (laughs) to buy. And so people who've never gone and bought a car don't know that. Right. But it's the same thing. Life is designed in a way that we can guide ourselves really effectively to have the kind of relationships we really want to have the kind of health that we want to have the connections with others and with ourselves we really desire. And that requires like you, I like how you say it. I wrote it down. It's the, it's like the, the activation, Mm -hmm. like the activation of that knowing or the activation Mm -hmm. of that connection. Like, how do you do that in a way that fits your life? So if you're a devout Catholic, how do you honor that sense of connection and the activation of your energetic being Mm -hmm. in a way that fits inside of what your beliefs are? Because I'm not, I think that's the whole thing. I'm not interested in changing anyone's uh, religious orientation yeah. at all. Like mm-hmm, people mm-hmm. should, I really do believe that it is possible to use, to be on the spiritual path and to have your religion stay intact. Mm-hmm. And I really strive for training people in their intuition for wherever they are. So Absolutely. I think that's why I can work with such diverse people. I mean, I have, you know, I mean, a woman, I think that's why. Yeah. And if, and if, and if your listeners love astrology, I just recently learned that I have something called an Elysium, which is a kind of a grouping together of four planets in one zodiac chart, like one zodiac, which is uh, one house um, Libra. Thank you. Mm-hmm. So I have four planets in Libra in my 10th house, mm-hmm. which is all about communication and about so like I was born at the exact moment in the exact place at the exact time. Yeah to guide me into, you know, being somebody who can translate things yeah. in a way. And I yeah, think that's to why be a translator. Yeah. I, 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 so I didn't know that we had some of these connections cause I've done a lot of DOD work and, oh, uh, and so okay. I'm listening to you going, Oh my goodness. And, and I read countless times that my 
teacher who was the highest person I've ever experienced, highest vibrationally, and yet the most practical woman I've ever met, person I've ever met. Um, She would always say, if we can't teach this, if we can't talk about this Mm. so that the garbage collector understands us, that's how she would put it. Then we have no business. We have nothing to say. Mm. So, you know, it was how do we, you know, come to that place of simplicity? And, Mm. uh, and so you and I have had such a, I want to say a wide ranging conversation. We've gone on for a long time and thank you to our listeners for staying in. And I feel like we're just getting started. Uh, (laughs) So I think Shoshana, I'll have to have you back again for part two. You willing? (laughs) Okay, perfect. (laughs) I think there was lots we did not touch on. I have questions too as such things go. (laughs) Yeah, no, no. I, I have the same way. It's like, oh, okay, well, we didn't talk about that or this or that, but okay. I'd love for you to let people know how they can reach out to you, how they can find you and where they can find you. Awesome. Thank you. If you are someone who's like, what does she mean by how your intuition works and you're curious about it? I've got a test on my website. The intuitive blueprint test takes about five to 10 minutes. It's an intuitive personality test. Mm -hmm. Um, It's super simple to take. uh, And at the end, you'll get a sense of how your intuition works. If you are already someone who's tapped into your intuition and you're like, "Mm, I kind of maybe want to like have a session with her my website, simplespirit.com at the top. So you can schedule an appointment. We could just have a conversation about any, really anything. But if you're really wanting to develop your intuition, that is, I can train anyone Mm -hmm. how to use their intuition in the areas of life that really matter to them. So my website is the simplest way to find me. But if you're more of like a, no, I want to follow her on social media, (laughs) Instagram, Shoshana French uh, Stokes or Facebook. Okay. 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 So simplespirit.com. Simplespirit.com is, is the website. Great. Yes, Thank you, Shoshana French. This has been so much fun. <laughs> it was fun. <laughs> <laughs> and thanks to our listeners for being with us today here at Wisdom Talk Radio. Join us here regularly for more wisdom, discovery, and illumination. As I always say, remember, you can find us on your favorite place to listen to to podcasts, wherever that is. And please, if you've enjoyed listening today, leave us a review because that helps people discover this kind of inspiration and guidance and illumination for themselves. And this is where transformation happens, where we transform the world together. For more about fast-tracking your ideas to creation and revenue, find me, Laurie Seymour, over at thebacainstitute.com. That's B as in boy, B-A-C-A. Take the quiz and find out your creative innovator style. So you've got two quizzes to take so that you can turn your ideas into reality without missing another moment. Thanks for joining us here at Wisdom Talk Radio. We wish you well in your conscious explorations. For more information and to join in the conversation, our website is wisdomtalkradio.com or at Wisdom Talk Radio on Facebook.